kind of catchy. <laughs> I mean, a little jazz going right there. I need a sax up here. Well, hey there, everybody. Good to see you again, and welcome uh, to second service for the first time ever. Yeah, this is a great start. Uh, we, we've got some things going here that I think God's going to use in a mighty way. And I want to thank all of you who served during the first service today in some way. And we appreciate so much you being involved. And we're in week two today of a series called Our House. And we started last Sunday in the living room, which we compared to the worship service of the church. Today, we're going to be talking about the family room, which we will compare to the fellowship of the church, doing life together. John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, said that we should have fellowship with each other and that our fellowship is with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the basis for our fellowship, right? There's lots of ways that people get together. Okay, maybe you are in a bowling league. Anybody in a bowling league? Okay. Anybody, maybe a quilting club? Okay. Maybe in the, some of these, I don't know. What else there is? Anybody ever been to a football game? Okay, there you go. But when you go to a football game, uh, it is not Jesus who brings you together. It's the blue turf that brings you together, right? Uh, and how many of you, uh, you were a fan this week, but maybe not as much last week, right? Kind of feeling that way. So Jesus is the glue. He's the essence of what brings us together. And real Christian community begins when people reveal how their faith stories intersect with the story of Jesus. And to illustrate fellowship in the family room, this morning we're headed to a true story in the Bible that John told about Jesus, and it's in John chapter 9. And I'm going to encourage you uh, to get over to John 9 and to stick there because we won't be moving uh, from John 9, but we will be there for the entire service today. And so uh, if you've got your paper Bible, you can just stay right there. If you've got an electronic Bible, uh, you're going to be using a lot of battery today because we're going to be in John 9 this whole time, and you really got to look at these verses because it's amazing. As you turn there to John 9, think for just a minute about the family room at your house. Or if you don't have, in essence, a family room, the place where your family hangs out. And I want you to think about the fact that for most of us, when you're in your family room, when you're in your zone, when you're in your family time, you aren't that worried about what clothes you're wearing or how well you've combed your hair. Uh, In a family, you are naturally vulnerable enough to be known as you are, right? And every person in your family, you've seen them with their hair messed up, if they have hair. Uh, Every one of them, you've seen them uh, when they weren't wearing their Sunday best, right? You pop by our house on a Saturday morning, just about any time, and it's likely that one of our daughters may still be in bed, okay? And it doesn't matter what time you come on Saturday morning. She's probably still going to be in bed, unless we purposely get her up. The other daughter, she will religiously wake us up on Saturday morning much before we want her to. And maybe you have kids like that. But uh, in a family gathering, in a family environment, the pretense that we might display in other environments is set aside. And you might manage your identity on social media, 
but the real you shows up in the family room. So here we are in John chapter 9, and we're going to read a little bit as we get started this morning. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And we're going to be talking about this crazy passage, one of my favorite in all of Scripture, where this guy who was blind received his sight. And this is the setup for our group meeting on the family room. And I hope you're in a group for this series. If you're not, uh, we'll have staff out in the lobby. Pastor Cole will be out there after the service. And you can still get in a group, okay? It's just getting started. And uh, get in a group for this series because 70% of what happens happens in the small group portion. So today we're here in John 9. And I want to talk about, first of all, your faith story starts with the story of Jesus. Some of this is right inside your bulletin if you want to follow along. Yeah, your faith story starts with the story of Jesus. Jesus is passing by an area where there was a blind man. And uh, as he passed by, we find that his disciples weren't really that interested in the blind man. Uh, they weren't interested in the blind man being healed. They weren't that interested with the blind man's soul but they did have a theological question, right? They had a theological question. And that's how a lot of people that go to church are, right? We would be fine with arguing a theological point for an hour with somebody. But when we really get a chance to help anybody, sometimes we pass by on the other side. And so his disciples said, Master, we, we've got a question, question, question. And they all got their hands up. They're not concerned about the blind man. They're just concerned about being right. And so they asked Jesus, uh, this guy uh, who was born blind, did he sin to make him blind? Or did his parents sin to make him blind? And I love Jesus chose door number three. Neither. Right? And Jesus always, when you tried to trip him up, when you came in and tried to ask him a trick question, he always saw right through it. And so he said, neither. And he said, God has this man right where he wants him to be. He is here for God's glory. So by the way, that's true for me, and it's true for you. Just like it was true for the blind man. Here's the deal. Your story doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus. And it's impossible for you to have a faith story until you begin a relationship with Jesus. And I love this. He's been waiting your whole life for that relationship to get started. Your life story can't really go anywhere without Jesus. Now, why do we hear about this blind man's story? There's only one reason. Because Jesus passed by. Otherwise, we'd never heard of this guy. 
And Jesus coming into your life is what makes your story valuable. It's what makes your story worth sharing. And believe it or not, Jesus has been hoping to do a work in your life. He wants to be the main theme of your story. And he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What's that mean? This. His story is the most important story out there. Right? Nobody's story has ever been or will ever be more important than the story of Jesus. And uh, we have such an honor. We have such a privilege because our story could be part of his story. And so Jesus uh, reached down and he grabbed the wet clay and he put it on the man's eyes. Now we kind of overlooked this little tidbit here. Uh, If you look in verse number six, it said, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. You ever see a cow lick all over her little baby to clean her up? Hey, you ever see a giraffe at the zoo uh, lick with a tongue that's like, I don't even know if my body's as long? Yeah, no, no short jokes on this, okay? You guys stay off of it. Um, you get this, and the giraffe is licking this baby. And actually, if you go to Walmart, you see moms licking their baby's faces. Like, baby's got jelly on his face. <laughs> and it kind of grosses us out. Doesn't it? I mean, think about this, right? Uh, when you were a little kid and you were five, you would spit in the dirt, and then you would make a mud pie, and then you'd put it up on the wall so it could dry for a while, and then you would use it to build blocks for your Lincoln log house or whatever, right? So somebody obviously did this because they got the yeah out of that. And um, yeah, that happened. Jesus spat on the ground. He mixed it in real good, made clay, put it on the guy's face. Now, how many of you are really excited for an adult to do that with you? Once again, my guy right here, he's pumped. He is pumped about everything, and I like that. He tells the guy, uh, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man who had never seen anything came back seeing everything. Talk about life changing. Talk about a reason to celebrate. Uh, When he attached his story to the story of Jesus, all of a sudden, everything changed. And I want to look back at the passage. Now, let's go on to verse number eight. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how are thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay. Now, it could be because he was blind, he didn't know how Jesus made the clay. Not sure. A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. Let's talk about this. Your faith story is noticed by the neighbors. 
It is. Your faith story is noticed by the neighbors. If you have a faith story, your neighbors notice your faith story. And here were these people who had been near him his whole life, but they had just been passing by. They never really noticed this story. They walked past him every day on their way to the market, on their way to the temple, on their way to their friend's house, and they never even really saw him. They just passed by. They just walked by him. And you know, we do the same thing. There are people in our neighborhood that we drive past every morning and wave at, and we don't even know their name. And we've driven past them a hundred times, and we don't know their name. And they know a little about us. They don't really know our name either, but they know that we go to church, and so they watch us. And they watch to see what our story really is like. And all these people have been watching, but they didn't really know they were watching. They just passed by on the other side. And they didn't notice his story until all of a sudden it was on the Channel 7 News. Like, whoa, I know that guy. Isn't that Martha? Martha, come in here. Isn't that the blind guy who we pass at the gate all the time? Oh, I don't think that's him. It looks like him, but I don't know if it's him. Uh, Henry, Henry, call him up, Henry on the phone. Ch- turn on the Channel 7 News. Turn it on right now. Now rewind it a little bit. Right, it's technology. And it, we're growing technology. Rewind it a little bit. And it, isn't that the guy who used to, oh, I don't think that's him. That's Brent Mai, the farmer. Right, he's on the news. <laughs> yeah, we know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. It's how we are. So uh, this attraction society, whoa, his story is the big news of the day. Now let's think about it for a second. Why is his story the big news of the day? There's only one reason. Jesus had entered the picture. That's it. It's the only reason. And on the greatest day of his life, the former blind man received a whole lot of attention, which gave him the opportunity to tell his story. By the way, the people who have recently attached their lives to the story of Jesus are the ones who tell their story the most, and it is fresh on their minds. And I love to be around new believers because they've just got a smile on their face that you can't take off, right? You can't wash it off. You can't wipe it off. You can't get rid of their story. You can't shut them down. They're pumped because they met Jesus, right? You talk to people who've gone to football games and baseball games, and I know you got friends and like, you know what? I was at a Lakers game once, and uh, Kobe took off his sweaty jersey and threw it in the crowd, and uh, I caught it, and now it's up on my wall, and I've never washed it. Uh, really? Uh, don't gross out, all right? Jesus made spit and clay. He put it on. Right? And LeBron, after every game, he takes off his wristband, and he flicks it up into the crowd, and kids jump to grab his wristband that's soaked with his sweat. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy stuff. And, and here is this guy, and his life has been changed, and he's going to tell everybody about it. And here are the neighbors talking about him like he wasn't there. One said, uh, isn't that the blind guy who used to sit and beg? Another one said, yeah, same guy. Another one said, uh, he looks like he's not the same guy. He's like, I'm right here. It's me. 
I'm the guy. He didn't need anybody else to tell his faith story for him. He's going to tell it himself. And so they said, what happened to you? Well, a man named Jesus made clay. Won't tell you how. And he anointed my eyes. He told me to go wash my eyes with the water in the pool of Siloam. I went and washed, and now I can see. Then they said, well, well, where is this Jesus now? I don't know. And look, he didn't know the details yet, but he knew his story. And he didn't uh, know theology yet. He didn't know uh, what reconciliation was. And he didn't know what atonement meant. And he didn't know what sanctification meant. And he didn't know what the eighth commandment was. But he knew what his story was. And listen, you don't have to know everything, but you got to know one thing. Jesus entered your life. That's what you have to know to have a story, to have a faith story. And so they're asking all these questions. And uh, when your faith story gets noticed by the neighbors, uh, that's what Jesus wants you to do. He just wants you to tell your story. And I'm saying all this because the story is what begins the family room experience. Here's the deal. If you never tell your story and you never listen to the stories of other people, there's no way you can experience Christian fellowship. Now, let's go down to verse number 13. Okay, so I'll give the electric, electronic Bible just a second. Put your password back in. Do your face ID. Here we go, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the... Da, 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 da. It was the Sabbath day. When Jesus made the clay and what you got to say, and that's just the way. A little free verse there. And open his eyes. Now, Pastor Cole's better at the free thing than I am, but it's the Sabbath day. All right, let's, listen, if there is one thing that the Pharisees can't stand... It's when you do something good for somebody else on the Sabbath day. Ain't no way you're supposed to do stuff for somebody else on the Sabbath day. Can I get a hey, hey? hey. Now look, th that was exclusive, right? I'm telling you, that didn't happen in the first service. That's why you come to the 11 o'clock service. Because we roll that kind of stuff out in here. Uh, here's this former blind guy. Uh, it's crazy. He gets taken away from his own celebration party. Uh, this is the first party he's ever been to in his life where he can actually see the balloons. And they take him away from his own party and bring him before the Pharisees. And we talked about them last week in the living room. Uh, these were the self-proclaimed, self-appointed ones who had to give approval to all things religious within Israel. And how dare you hold a meeting without their approval? How dare you have a party without their sanction? And by all means, do not ever heal anyone from a lifelong condition on the Sabbath day. 
And so here's our former blind guys thrown before the, the wolves, the Pharisees. Let's talk about this third part. Your faith story is questioned by the hypocrites. It's questioned by the hypocrites. Verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, and every time, by the way, the story gets shorter. Did you notice this? He said unto them, uh, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed a do see. There's not very many words. <laughs> he put clay on my eyes and I washed a do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And they started arguing among themselves. And they say unto the blind man, what sayest thou of him that he opened thy eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Now here's what happened. The Pharisees tried to tell him that his story wasn't really his story. They tried to trip him up with theological issues. But his light only became brighter through their skepticism. See, the Pharisees couldn't love mercy for this guy because if they did, it would wreck their entire system of religion. They couldn't accept what Jesus had done to heal him because if they did, they would lose control. They thought they had control. And so they said, this guy was never blind. This is a hoax. This is fake news. Verse 18. But, 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 look at this. The Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So now they call in his parents. This is getting crazy, right? So Jesus spits on the ground, he makes clay, he heals the guy, and now the guy has to come back to his neighbors, they take him from his party, they take him to the Pharisees, now they're bringing his parents in. And uh, Jerusalem at this point in time, it's not a city of millions, it's not a city of hundreds of thousands, uh, compared to our modern cities, it's a very small city. People had been around this guy his entire life. It's not like he just showed up on the scene the week before. They'd walk past him every day for years. And now they're out to prove that he wasn't the blind guy who sat begging by the road. And so verse 19, they asked them, his parents, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? <laughs> Even how they asked, did you get this? They said, they didn't say, is this your son who was born blind? They said, is this your son who you say was born blind? Right? Because if they said he was born blind, uh, then they could say, well, were there any other witnesses besides you two? Right? Anybody else that can prove that he was born blind? Uh, they had a little bit of the progressive media in their DNA here. And uh, so they're saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age, ask him. 
I'll underline this. If you have a paper Bible, or you can highlight it on your electronic, look at this. He shall speak for himself. That's your testimony. That's your story. That's how your story intersects with the story of Jesus is when you speak for yourself about what Jesus has done for you. Because if you don't tell anybody what Jesus has done for you, nobody's going to. And there's a lot of people who have a faith story, but they've never even told their faith story one time. And if we're ashamed of Jesus, Matthew 10 says that he's going to be ashamed of us. The parents... Didn't want to get involved. Verse 22 tells us why. Because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. The Pharisees made people afraid. People didn't want to get cast out of the synagogue. They didn't want to lose the approval of the religious leaders. And so they went with the status quo of trying to keep enough laws to be right with God. But nobody could keep enough laws to be right with God. And so uh, they talked to the parents, and then they called the guy back in. And our former friend, or our friend, the former blind man, verse 24, they call him back in. And then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. So we don't know if you really were blind, and we're pretty sure that you weren't, even though your parents said you were. But even if you did get healed, the guy who healed you, he's a sinner. I love verse 25. It's my favorite verse. Maybe not just in this chapter. It's so powerful. Look what he said. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. And he says to the Pharisees, listen, I'm going to just tell you my story. And uh, to share your story, to be a part of the family room environment, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be able to quote chapter and verse. You don't have to be able to recite any creed. You just have to tell how Jesus became a part of your story. He says, one thing I know, I was blind, now I see. And you Pharisees, go figure that one out. I'm not here to argue theology. I'm here with a story. He had a story. His story before Jesus was three words. I was blind. His story after Jesus, three words. Now I see. That's pretty simple. Uh, that's as simple as it gets, right? Uh, in fact, I don't know if you could make the story of your life into something less than six words. Well, some of you, maybe you could. I don't know. You're pretty good at stuff like that. We'll see in a minute, though. Because Jesus, if you've met him, he's given you a story, too. You have a story. 
And nobody's going to tell your story if you don't tell your story. Right? You know how we know some of the great stories of what Jesus has done in modern times? Because people told their story. Now this blind man, he told his story. I was blind. Now I see. Pretty easy. So powerful. And you Pharisees, I don't need your theology. I don't need what you have to sell. I was blind, now I see. Well, the Pharisees, they didn't like this, right? So they asked him again. This is getting pretty redundant, but I want you to follow along with me. Now it's verse 26. Then said they to him again. They said to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? <laughs> they asked him again. Verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? So he gets a dig in on them. He says, why are you asking me again my story? I told you my story. Jesus healed me. I was blind, now I see. Why are you asking me again? Then they reviled him. Nothing says love like making fun of a guy who's been blind all his life. Right? Nothing says grace and mercy like making fun of an invalid. Sounds a little bit like the new tolerancy that we live in today. And here they reviled him and they said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. And we know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them. And I love this because you remember how this guy doesn't know any theology? You remember how this guy has never read a book in his life because he just became, you, you guys got it, right? He'd never written words. He didn't have any theological training. And the man answered and said unto them, verse 30, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And all of a sudden, former blind guy becomes television evangelist. <laughs> and they've already got the toll-free number at the bottom of the page where you can call for him to pray over you. He's preaching to the Pharisees. If this guy weren't of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Oh, this is, this is where it really, this is where they really wanted to get to. Verse 34, they said to him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. <laughs> he said, listen here, Buster. You were born in sin. You got nothing to teach us. You were born in capital S, capital I, capital N, sin. We are the Pharisees. You're out. 
wow, what a day for this guy, huh? <laughs> By the way, it's interesting, we never find out his name. But we do find out the name of Jesus because that's who his story was really all about. Let's talk about this last part of the message because it's, it gets to such a powerful place. Your faith story is celebrated in God's family. So since the Jews couldn't stop his story, they cast him out. Don't you come back into the synagogue. You're a heretic. You don't believe what we believe. We're the children of Moses. You're the children of Jesus. We don't validate your supposed miracle. Get out of here. I love verse 35. This is so good. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him... So not only was this guy the uh, I was blind, now I see guy, he was the uh, I was lost, but now I'm found guy. Because Jesus went and found him. And Jesus found him and said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, because you have new eyes, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus found him and assured him that he was part of something bigger than the synagogue. He was now in the family of God. And through believing in Jesus, he had become a child of the Most High God. Can you imagine anybody ever having a more exciting day than this guy? And Jesus had changed his entire story just like that. I was blind, now I see. On this side, before he met Jesus, on this side, after he met Jesus. And here's today's big truth. Your story only has meaning if it is connected to his story. The story of Jesus is the one that really matters. And without him, we don't have fellowship. We don't have a Christian family. We don't have the miracle of grace. We don't have the measure of extraordinary love. If your story has never been connected to the story of Jesus, I want you to know how that can happen. Right now in this place today. If you will admit in your heart that you have a need for a savior. Because you're a sinner and you're lost and you're undone and you need a savior. Jesus is that savior. He's the one who came and died on the cross for you. He's the one who shed his blood on your behalf. And he wants to save you today. He wants you to have a story too. See, the blind, the blind man's life was changed in an instant. And your life can be changed in an instant too. Here's today's faith challenge. Knowing someone else's faith story and having my faith story known is the starting point for Christian fellowship. And we've seen the blind man's story before Jesus, I was blind. After Jesus, now I see. 
And what I want to know is, how does your story connect to the story of Jesus? I pulled a few of the cards from our first service. I was alone. Now I'm his. I was orphaned. This is the lady who really was. She was, she was an orphan. She grew up an orphan. Now I have an eternal father. One guy said, all about me, all about him. Six words. Bound in addictions, he broke the chains. Hallelujah. What's your story? I just happen to have some more cards, and I got Sharpies, and we got plenty of time. Come write your story. Come right now. One side is before you met Jesus. The other side is after you met Jesus. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be complex. It can be the most simple thing that's ever happened. After you write yours, give the Sharpie to the person behind you. Let's write some stories. Let's see what God's doing in our lives today. How does your story connect to the story of Jesus? Let's take some time for just a minute to write the story. Then we're going to hold them up. And we're going to see what it is that Jesus has done for us. Because this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. We got one. Let's see the first one here. I was religious and ritualistic. I now have a relationship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was empty. Now I'm full. Praise God. Praise God. If you get yours done, just come right over here and you can hold your own up right on, right on the steps. Let's look at them. Grab a pen. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay. First I was lost, then he found me. Praise God. Praise God. We got another one. Oh, I like this. This is going to be good, everybody. I'm telling you. Look at see how I'm taller than he is. I like that. Look at this. I was number one. Flip it. He's number one. I like that. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Right up here. Here we go. I left him. He never left me. Praise God. It's good. So good. Come on over here. Come on over here. Very good. She says, I was a fan of Jesus. Now I live to know him better every day. Now she's a follower of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. We got another one here. I was ready to give up. Now I have hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good. Which side is it? Oh. Found my acceptance in others. Now she finds her acceptance in Jesus. That's good stuff. I like it. Evil was my best friend. The Lord is my savior of all. Now my best friend for life. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's good. So good. I was weak. Now I'm strong through Christ. So good. Love you, buddy. I was self-absorbed. 
Now I see others because she has the, the eyes of Jesus. It's good. I was a slave to sin. Now I am free, holding my own small group as a teenager at my house. Praising God. Praising God. That's so good. Everybody done? You all done? You guys could have gone another five minutes and we still would have been right on time. I mean, isn't that good? You have a faith story. Your faith story is either that you have met Jesus and your life has been changed, or your faith story is you need to meet Jesus. And you need to have, have your life changed. And this blind man met Jesus. His entire life was changed. His entire family was changed. And someday, this is so cool, someday we get to meet this guy. And we get to have him like, hey, where's the blind guy? We don't know his name. Where's the guy who said, I was blind, now I see? Oh, he's right over there. He's down street A, or whatever it's going to be called. Get to go to his house and talk about how he met Jesus. Isn't that going to be so neat for all eternity? We get to walk from mansion to mansion and tell stories about Jesus. That's what heaven's going to be, where we get to be with him. And we get to talk about how he's changed our lives. I love the last verse. As you get to the end of the book of John, John was the disciple we read from today. John said, there are many other things which Jesus did. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Because everybody who's ever met Jesus has a story. You've got a story. And I hope you'll share your story not only in the community, but share your story with your group. Get in your small group and make it real. Don't make it superficial. Let's talk about how God has given us grace and mercy. Let's bow together in prayer. As we bow earlier...